Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 57 of the No Look Pack. No Look Pass podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, and you should be especially grateful to me today because I'm taking valuable time out of my net sixers watching to do this podcast with, with you guys, and I have my co-host with Andy Flint. So I'm always good. Yeah, and I, too, am taking valuable time out of watching the Magic get spanked by the Raptors, which is what I assume is happening because I have not looked. But, yeah, thanks, show. Oh, Oh boy, let's. Uh, we're gonna have to check that score at some point in the uh, in the evening here. So this week we are going to continue our journey around the NBA. We stopped quite. Uh, we didn't really travel too far. Andy and I are both New Yorkers, so we stopped with the New York Knicks. But it turns out they were pretty far away because they were on a West Coast road trip. Um, and then we want to get into a couple of topics, including Demarcus Cousins and should 24 year olds be resting? Is that is that a thing? Should should we accept it? I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna see what we think about this. So while you were watching TNT, we were watching the New York Knickerbockers, uh, West Coast road trip, like I said, one win at the Lakers, and then three losses at the Warriors, understandable, especially since they just threw the game away and just rested everybody, at Denver and at Phoenix. So those are the three, three losses. Andy, how many New York Knicks games did you watch, and what were your impressions? Uh, I caught the Phoenix game, and I caught the – Warriors game, I'm not sure why I even found myself watching the Warriors game because we all knew, uh, as Frank just pointed out, even the Knicks knew because they didn't play Melo. Uh, there was no Rose in that game either. Although I kind of like watching the Knicks with Brandon Jennings running the show a little more. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, they we're did get, get some that. stuff from some other guys. But, yeah, my first impression is I, I think the Knicks are about exactly who I kind of thought they were. We're a game over 500 here, sixth place in the East right now. I don't think we – Either of us really thought anything too terribly different from that to start the season. So I, I think the Knicks are, are right on pace here. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. The Knicks are sort of what, what you expect of them. And, and I like your point about no Rose. And I actually will make the same point because I watched the first half of that Warriors game and I've watched some, some of, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, we're New Yorkers. So, you know, sometimes the Knicks game is, is what's on TV and that's, that's what you end up watching. Uh, I've seen some, some games where they play without Melo, particularly in the fourth quarter, and it's kind of Porzingis' team. And we're, we're going to get into that because that, that, that is something we have to talk about. And without Melo in the game against Golden State, they they stood competitive for a half. I mean, granted, I'm sure Golden State probably took them a little lightly, as Golden State is, is known to do, it seems, this season. Kind of play down to their competition just just a little bit. Uh, they just happen to be so much better than everybody that it doesn't matter. Uh, but, again, I, I think you're right. This team is sort of a lot of talent, a lot of flashiness. That's what I like about this team. They got a lot of flashy players. My man Brandon Jennings has stolen Nick Young's swag award. I think we need to just call him Swaggy B. And now Nick Young needs a new nickname because I, I think Luke Walton has him like, I, I don't know. Nick Young's not Nick Young anymore. He doesn't do Nick Young things. Now he's like a defensive player and he does all this cool stuff. So I, I think Brandon Jennings has, has officially stripped his power. <laughs> and he may have. And, you know, one thing with your Golden State uh, comment, uh, them playing down, I think, like, it, the Knicks were losing by, like, 20, I believe, going into the fourth. There's something close right. to that. So that was right. really the, the only half, quarter where the Knicks – yeah, sure. The first the first half, I think they, they only got outscored by, like, 14 <laughs> points or something, something like that. Well, no, sure. I mean, and, and honestly – while I say that, it, that really is kind of an accomplishment because I found myself, as I was watching this game partway through, 
thinking, oh, you know, the Knicks, you know, they're they're kind of doing some things with, you know, without Melo. Um, Porzingis didn't have a terribly effective game. Um, I, honestly, I think like I think like Jennings and a couple of the guys off the bench, uh, Justin Holiday and the guy with the plainest name ever, Ron Baker. Way to go, Ron's parents, naming the <laughs> poor guy Ron Baker. And then he's got, like, the Bieber cut, the old Bieber cut kind of going on. And, you know, he's, he's a white guard, so I automatically discredit this guy. But, you know, he put in some valuable minutes. Actually, I think in both of these games I saw. But, yeah, the Knicks are, are kind of goofy. Um, I, I don't – I think the one thing I noticed with the Knicks is their team seems really outdated. Like, the things Joe Kim Noah excels at, I think he doesn't really excel at anymore first of all. And secondly, I think it's a little different of a league now than it was five years ago. And the same can be said about Rose. And I think like Courtney Lee's kind of a redundant player. He kind of does a lot of the same things Rose does. He's a hard cutter, uh, shoots a lot of weird floaters and things like that. He's a good defender. Mello, I, I kind of am starting to think Mello's getting a bit outdated here. Um, Porzingis, yeah. he's really the, the guy for me, the only thing that seems modern on this team, at least of the guys who get a lot of minutes. And I think Jennings has a future as like a six man, you know, with any club. But as far as starters go, it feels like the Knicks have one. Yeah, if I remember correctly, you picked Brandon Jennings to win six man of the year, and that's not looking too bad. He's he's definitely in in the conversation. I think Eric Gordon, in my opinion, is sort of running away yeah, with Gordon. it as we speak. Uh, but a, a few things that you touched on that I want to talk about. One is that you're right about Melo. And granted, Melo was never like an elite athlete. It's not like Melo got to where he is even in the prime of his career by going Russell Westbrook and just outrunning you on the break or something like that. Melo has always sort of relied more on his footwork and his size more than anything else. But it just seems like sometimes, more times than others, I guess I'll say, the majority of the time that I'm watching Melo, he just looks old. I mean, it just looks like he's, He's lost a step, and he was never fast to begin with, so he can't really – he doesn't really have that quick first step anymore like he used to have. And A lot of his offense is just sort of that mid-range. He's going to try and lowly the sleep with the dribble, and then he's going to shoot that 18- to 20-footer. Sometimes he gets aggressive and he gets to the rim, but I think Melo throughout his career, and, and definitely more so now, doesn't really get the benefit of the whistle when, he, when, he's, when he's in there with the big guys because he is, you know, so big, uh, you know, for a small forward. Uh, so I think he, he kind of loses there a little bit. So that's one thing that I noticed. And also you touched on Joe Kim Noah, and I have a question for you. Who Who is the Knicks' best center? Because I feel like it could be any of the three guys that they have in, on, on any given day. Sometimes it's Noah, sometimes it's O'Quinn, and then they got this young kid, Hernan Gomez, who sometimes disappears completely on the court and then other times has like 15 rebounds. I almost, you know, here's here's the thing is if you look at these games are night and day. I mean, if you're looking if you're looking at a game like the Suns game, I mean, it's Kyle O'Quinn. If you look at some of the things Kyle O'Quinn does well, is he's a pretty good jump shooter. I don't really love when he's out there shooting threes. Um, you know, I know he can hit it and I know it's become the popular thing, but just shooting the ball in space from 15 feet is valuable and I think especially in this era and even for centers uh, with Noah and, you know, the guys like Melo, what we were mentioning before is I think if you, if you're not going to be a great three point shooting team and a fast three point shooting team, because that's what's happening these days, you have to at least be a team who works its offense quickly. If you notice a team like Toronto, who's not necessarily the, the craziest three point shooting team in the world. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, arguably the best player on that team doesn't, you know, he does it a different way. That's kind of his thing but they still make sure their offense moves quickly. And you see a lot of instances 
where DeRozan just flies down the court and goes to the basket against two or three defenders. And it's because right. this pace has changed. And I think everything the Knicks did in the offseason negates a fast-paced offense. You see Porzingis trying to do it himself sometimes, but it's just not the same thing. Even Rose, who's known for his physical quickness, was a guy who he never really went the, – the possessions didn't go fast with him. It was still calculated, and there were screens, and there was a lot of moving around. So I just don't think that this is productive basketball anymore. You watch these teams like Houston and teams like Golden State – who just pushed the pace. And I think that's where we're heading and it just doesn't seem to work. Yeah. And, and, and to your point about the pace, you said Porzingis. I notice it a lot when Brandon Jennings get in, gets in the game. Jennings has a lot of one-on-three breaks where he's like the only guy running and he's looking for his teammates and he has no idea where they are because they're all old men and they have crutches and they're just like taking the walker <laughs> down to, to the other end of the court or something. But he, he, he'll often, as soon as he gets the ball, he's off. You know, he's, 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 trying to run, trying to see what he can get because Jennings, and one thing I've noticed, and one of the reasons why he took Nick Young's swag award is that when he gets in his zone, his it's not only his shot, which it used to be Brandon Jennings. When Brandon Jennings was hot, it was just like he was going to pull up from 27 feet and he was just going to hit a three. And it was just, he used to do it to the Nets all the time when he was on the Bucks. You know, once Brandon Jennings gets hot, he can literally hit from anywhere on the floor, like Steph Curry, like, and that, that's not even an exaggeration. You know, when Brandon Jennings was hot, it used to be that bad. Um, but now it's, it's sort of when he gets hot, he gets hot with the handle. You know, he likes to dribble and he likes to make no-look passes. He likes to show off a little bit. And it, it really is more so of his, of his vision as a passer, whereas previously Brandon Jennings was more of just a shooter. And he really tries to push the tempo and push the floor because he's, he's trying to see what he can get in the fast break. And these guys just, they, they won't run with him, except for, like you said, for Porzingis when he's in the game. But otherwise, even a guy like Courtney Lee isn't really, a, a, you know, guy that gets up and down the floor, Justin Holiday a little bit, but, you know, a lot of, I would say, those are the three guys, you know, Holiday, Porzingis, and Jennings. Those are the only guys that really want to get up and down the floor, and, and that's not going to work. Yeah, no, and I mean, to add to that, too, I I think that Justin Holiday is a guy who needs to see consistent minutes. Uh, I looked through his game log a little bit here heading into the night, and, you know, he has seen some increase here and there. Sometimes it, it tends to fluctuate, but I think I, I liked a lot of what I saw out of him, um, particularly in the, the Warriors game. Obviously some guys in that fourth quarter got different looks and throughout the game, but you know, I, I think he does have stuff to offer a team. He's a pretty long, tall, lean player. He can shoot the shot. The Jennings thing, he does run the floor well. And I did notice that with Brandon Jennings, Brandon Jennings was getting down the floor a lot and nobody was with him. And he was just quick. And he actually made a couple of circus shots that I was like, man, this is, you think about that Jennings when he scored, you know, 50 some points as a rookie. And, you know, you do see him as like some volume type shooter. Some, who else? Terrence Ross is another guy who had like a, a random 50 before. You just think of these guys who get right. hot. But Jennings, like you pointed out, and I actually didn't even have this written down, but now that you say it, I do remember seeing a lot of it. He really was pushing the pace with his dribble and his handles. And, I mean, there was a lot of times where he was scoring against bigger guys. Uh, I saw him he had a nice layup against Kevin Durant, who's finally admitted he's seven feet, as if we didn't all know. But, yeah, I do think the future has to be with Porzingis for this team. Obviously, I'm just kind of, you know, stating the obvious. But, yeah, there, there's not a lot to desire um, if you think of the Knicks looking forward to the future with this current unit besides a guy like uh, a Zinger. You got a lot of uh, old, don't work anymore type games on this, this roster. So the, the one person we have not touched on, and, and I know you're, you're dreading this moment, but because of your – 
splendid Mirza Toledovich pronunciation the other day. Uh, I would like you to pronounce the uh, number 91 on the New York Knicks, the shooter, the Coos. Who do you, who are you, who, wait, who am I pronouncing? You got to pronounce his name, Coos, man. You don't know Coos, 91, the shooter? I'm, I'm not, European I'm shooter? not, I'm not, I'm not even pronouncing that. How about I make amends <laughs> for one that I butchered before? Sasha Vujicic. Bam. Oh, that, I know it was good. Right. And he, and it he rolled off. Team, so it, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like a cop-out, but it, but it works. Uh, Kuzmiskis, I believe, is, is the correct yeah. pronunciation. He just that wasn't what I was like going to say. Minutes, and, and all he does is just stand at the three-point line, and somehow it works because he just, like, nails threes. And, and MSG loves him, even though we didn't see him. At, we didn't see the Knicks at home this uh, this week, but MSG loves the Kuz. They, 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 they chant it like uh, – like they they chant giants like Cruz when he gets, makes a catch every time Cruz misses makes a three they just chant Cruz it's 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 wonderful Cruzmiskus uh, I think can be a valuable player on a team as like a sharpshooter sort of sort of kind of thing like a Steve Novak if you remember back in the day I mean Steve Novak used to put in work uh, so the elephant in the room question I have for the Knicks before we move on to Boogie is and I think you've kind of answered this and I, is the answer obvious whose team is this this is Porzingis's team because. Sometimes the reason why I ask is because sometimes on the court, it doesn't really seem that way, especially late in games when it seems like Mello and Rose dominate the ball and Porzingis just becomes, I don't know, like just another player on the floor they put in the corner. It should be, it has to be Porzingis team, but I I honestly don't think that it is. I don't know that it is. It, it, It has to be, I mean, moving forward, but it's hard. I think for the organization, probably for Porzingis himself, because he doesn't really seem to be like the, the DeMarcus Cousins type or, you know, the type. I, I think Porzingis, we see the emotion out of him, but I don't think he's walking into the locker room and being like, look, Mello, my team. And I'm sure he doesn't sound anything right. like that when he talks. I'm sure there's an accent there, but I, I, I can't even pronounce these names, people. I cannot do the accent. So <laughs> I just, you know, I think it has to be Porzingis' team. And I think it's kind of like a Kobe Bryant thing, like with the Lakers last year we saw the young guys didn't get to develop because Kobe was still there. And I think until we change this roster for Porzingis, I think it's going to be not necessarily impossible, but harder for him to develop. Um, Sounds crazy because he's developing quite nicely, I think, but I just feel like some of these, these older guys are kind of in his way and namely Mello. And maybe Mello needs to go somewhere where he actually has a chance to be a complimentary piece and do some damage. So you think because is there a solution where like Phil Jackson or Jeff Hornacek or combination or just the whole management sits down with Melo and just says, listen, here's the deal. We value you. We think you're going to be a contributing piece as the, you know, the, the Robin to Porzingis' Batman, but you need to like sort of let go of the reins. Or is it just a situation where it's been Melo's team for so long that it's hard, like you can't even do it that way. It's just like irreparable, and you just have to trade him in order to make more of a, like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like more of a stylistic, a philosophical, like statement that listen, this is the Porzing God's team now. So you 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 don't think that you can do that at all with Melo on the roster? You know, I I try, and I would love to see Melo. And I said it just a second ago, go somewhere and be a complimentary piece. But I almost after I said that, I start thinking to myself, I. I don't know if Melo can be a complimentary piece. And if he does that, 
where is it going to be? I, I just don't see it happening here with the younger Porzingis. I feel like with Melo, his tenure with the Knicks has been really weird because when he came there, it was nothing but hope for like the, the fans of New York, these Knicks fans, and for Melo to get this fresh start from Denver. But nothing really ever happened. You know what I mean? It's kind of just been like this steady, right. depressing ride. I won't call it a roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, I think the highlight kind of flatline. Yeah, him and Amari made the second round one one season, yeah. and I think that was really the, the the highlight of the of the mellow years in in New York. I would agree. Um, I think I, I would I would also agree. I don't know if Melo can be a complimentary piece, except for if he was playing with like LeBron or playing with Chris Paul. I think he might be able to go to the Clippers. He might be able to do it there if they ever wanted to make a trade. Um, I think honestly, the the main opportunity was last year when maybe. You know, the, the Kevin Love thing wasn't quite working out, and there was a little bit of, you know, murmurs that maybe, oh, Mello to, to Cleveland for Kevin Love. I think that could have worked for him as a complimentary piece. But otherwise, I I, I don't see it either. Um, and it's it's really unfortunate because Mello is so talented, and, and you know, sometimes guys just can't get out of their own way, I, I guess is, is really the uh, the lesson here. And if, if Mello decided he just wanted to be maybe a scorer for one, but more so just not the dominant the guy that doesn't take 25 shots a game, I think he could be a, a great player on the New York Knicks with Porzingis. I think he just needs to kind of change the way he plays the game of basketball because of a lot of what Melo does when he scores is we, we see jump shots. And if you watch the highlight right. reel, you see Melo taking jump shots. But these aren't jump shots that are just catch and shoot for the most part. These are jump shots that are turn my back, turn my back, back, jab, do these other things, and that's just how Melo scores. And I, I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with his game. I just don't know how it works today, and I don't know how you mold that into a second or third option or, God forbid, a fourth option. I do think there's some merit to what you're saying about maybe with the Clippers or with LeBron. I think he has to you know, be checked by somebody who can check him with, look, I've been here before. I've been here as long as you. I've accomplished as much or as more as you. Uh, as you have it's hard with a guy like Porzingis who's from you know a different country he's just so young in his second year it's hard to like be moved over to the side for that when you're somebody like Carmelo who's had such you know a phenomenal scoring career to say hey we need you to take less shots I think it's easier if you have LeBron asking him or Chris Paul or something of that nature or a Doc Rivers but it's hard right now and like nobody likes Phil Jackson Phil Jackson needs to go away too yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, to close, I think the one thing that, that we need to learn about Carmelo Anthony in order for his game to progress is that he is a power forward in today's NBA, and I think that's one problem that the Knicks have, sure. is that they, they play him at the three way too much. Um, and the other thing I wanted to tell you is that Porzingis speaks impeccable English. Like, the guy speaks great English. It, it's, it's really surprising when you hear him talk in interviews. You're expecting, like you said, this guy that just came. It's not like he played in the NBA, you know, played in, in college even you know, in, in the U.S., and, and he just speaks he speaks great English. So good job, Chris Beth. Uh, we're going to move on. Awkward transition. This is Marcus Cousins, speaking of somebody that that, that probably talks way too much. Uh, we got Boogie Cousins, as we all know, this week was uh, in the news because he was cursing out a reporter for talking about his brother, and he's uh, allegedly assaulting people in, in clubs. So here's my question for you, Andy, uh, about DeMarcus Cousins. I saw a tweet by Josh Everly, who is uh, that you know a, a basketball mind that I follow on Twitter, and you should all follow him. He, he has good stuff. Um, and his his poll was basically this: if your team had to trade your second best player 
and two first-round picks for DeMarcus Cousins. So let's say if you're the Washington Wizards, that would probably be Bradley Beal and two first-round picks for DeMarcus Cousins. Would you do it? Yes. Absolutely. No, well, not if I'm the Wizards, per se, because I think there's already a lot of crazy stuff going <laughs> well, I just, on. I don't want him and Keith on the same team. No, but I do like what you're thinking with the, with the John Wall. I think if you are a team like the Wizards who would say, now we're pairing John Wall with DeMarcus Cousins, we're going to give up Beal and two first-rounders. I mean, yeah, I, I think, you know, absolutely. I think with Cousins and John Wall in the East, you're probably figuring that the two first-rounders you're going to give up aren't going to be worth all that much anyways. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want Boogie anywhere near Keith and likewise, and Boogie's got to stop, man. I mean, you know, to speak on that a little bit, I know I defend the heck out of this guy. I do love to watch him play, but like this dude, you're going to beat up, looked like he was like 60 and he was real small. I mean, most people probably are to cousins, but like, I mean, come on, man, you can't, uh, writers are going to write. This is what they do. This is these columnists and stuff. These reporters, this, this is their job. And, you know, you're going to have to be – he's probably going to be in the Kings locker room long after you're there. And, I mean, you're just going to have to coexist. You can't just beat up everybody in your path who you disagree with along the way. The unfortunate part about the whole incident was that the, the, the reporter was writing about – like, it wasn't his opinion about Boogie Cousins' brother. He was writing about a factual thing that happened, you know, last year with the, when his brother got arrested in a club. It happened. Like, there's an arrest record. You know, these are. It's not like he was saying like, "Oh, I think his brother's a bad dude. He shouldn't be around Boogie because he's, you know, he's making Boogie bad." He didn't say anything like that. He was just referencing an actual event that took place with with actual statements from witnesses and things like that. So, you know, Boogie needs to sort of grow up a little bit in many fashions. But I, I got to disagree with you, Andy. I'm going to replay this. Last time we talked about Boogie last year, and I had the same. Cannot play with military. him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it just can't do it. I mean, if you're a team like I'm thinking like uh, let's say let's just say the Nets. Let's just say the Nets had the assets to acquire Boogie Cousins. They don't. But let's say they did. And you're like a developing team, you're trying to take a shot on somebody. You're like, "Oh, this guy Boogie has crazy talent." So we would be insane if we didn't just pull the trigger on this. But that's different than if you're like the Boston Celtics and you're like one piece away possibly from being a, in contention in the East. Or, you know, even a team like the San Antonio Spurs or something like that. If you're a championship contender and you're looking to acquire Boogie to sort of put you over the hump and make you a contender or make you a champion, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you can realistically, you know, alter your whole team's chemistry and try and fit this guy in because he doesn't seem, you know, it used to be that we felt bad for Boogie because he was on the Sacramento Kings and those teams are just historically, the Kings have just been a disaster place to go. Now it seems like I wouldn't want to go to the Kings because I wouldn't want to play with Boogie. Not that I wouldn't want to be on the Sacramento Kings. It just seems like I wouldn't want to be a teammate with Marcus Cousins. Well, I don't think I would want to do either. I mean, and here's the well, thing is true. I think the, the thing for Boogie is it has to be, and I've talked about this before and I talked about this last year and, you know, we've discussed it. It has to be the right, situation and we've always said that I think for Boogie like Boogie needs to play a lot of people said Boogie needs to play with Doc Rivers and Boogie can play with the Clippers Chris Paul they hold people accountable and what you're saying is is maybe a guy like Boogie Boogie comes in and completely just tears down whatever's already built and everything's you know screwed from there but I think right. now the the window of where because we talk about these right fits for Boogie 
that window's closed a bit because now some of those teams that would have been under that category for me a year ago, they're not there anymore because of what you're saying. I still do think there are the correct places for him to go. Um, I don't know. I actually, it was funny that you brought up Washington right away because the first thing I thought is like a John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins type thing. But those two might fight each other, man. I, I just don't know. I think the, the situation has become more delicate. And the Kings and Cousins, I think they just need to get out of the relationship they currently have. And I think DeMarcus has one year left after this year on his deal uh, where he'll make 16 or $17 million. But, yeah, something's got to give. But, I mean, honestly, right now, if, you know, you're – you're asking me there's there are some teams and there you know there are a lot of bad teams who are as bad as the kings or worse who would in an instant give up their second or even first best player in a couple of draft picks i mean honest to god i would probably give you anybody on the magic and two first rounders for cousins right now and i won't look back i mean i'll you can have abaca and fournier take them both uh you know it's just one of it just depends on what you have and you know the the situation but that's a different Right, the Magic are in a different situation than, say, the Celtics or the Spurs or uh, I'm trying to think of other destinations. Even the Wizards. Even the Wizards are probably, you know, if they had DeMarcus Cousins, like you said, if they have DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall, probably top four team in the East, you would think, talent-wise at least, for sure. Um, but it's different if you're, if you're just trying to take a shot because you're not a successful team in this, and how many times does a guy like DeMarcus Cousins come on the trade market? That's one thing as opposed to, Never. well, we're looking – Right. And then, but what's going to happen is if you're a team like that, you're not going to win. And you're just going to end up with the same Boogie Cousins that's dissatisfied because he's losing, which I think is certainly part of this whole thing. You know, he, he's never made the playoffs. And I think it, it's just frustrating for him, which is understandable. But the other reason why it's not a smart thing, and this is the last thing I want to say about the Boogie thing is, you know, if you're Boogie and you know that, that you're on the trade block or that you're, you've, either ask for a trade or I'm pretty sure that all parties really know that you're not happy in Sacramento. I don't think it's any secret. Why would you just kill your trade value by doing all of these things and, and being like this with your teammates, with off the court and everything, you're just going to kill your trade value. Unless, unless your mission is to just completely screw the Kings, which uh, good job, because that's pretty much what you've done. Well, I think he knows he's good. And my last thought is is a response to you. I think he knows he's very, very good. And I think that when you have that in your mind and you're 25, 26 years old, and you're, you're living this high life type thing, it, it, maybe it's kind of hard to understand that he is damaging his trade value. But I just throw one out there. I, I think maybe something like a, a Phoenix Suns, if they could manage to keep, I mean, they have some extra guards to get rid of. Um, to, to be able oh, yeah. to play with somebody like a young Devin Booker or maybe an Eric Bledsoe. I think with Cousins, it is partially winning. He needs to win. But you can't necessarily tear apart a team that's already maybe going to contend because you don't know what the dynamic is there. But a team with some young up-and-comers, I think like a Suns is just one that popped in my head right away. Um, you know, that is – but I do. I think it might be down to like a handful of teams at this point, whereas last year I would have said, hey, there's got to be 25 teams in the league that need Cousins. So it's, it's definitely right. gotten worse for him a little bit. Absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to close the boogie chapter there. I'm sure we'll be talking to, about it more, especially as the, the trade deadline closes if he's still on the team. Uh, Andy, just really quick, we're going to get into this quick topic. Uh, what do you think about guys resting? So it's one thing when Pop did it, right? In San Antonio, Tim Duncan was resting. Mono Ginobili was resting. The other day, Kyrie Irving rested. Uh, reminder, Kyrie Irving is about 23, 24 years old. Um, so what do you think about the, the mass resting that, that is going on in the league? You know, I've tried to – I've wrestled with this for 
a few years now, and I think the the one thing I've always said is these guys, this is the, the coach's choice, you know, to, to sit these guys. I always said it about Pop, and I do think the rest is beneficial, um, not just for older players, but for younger players too. We see these uh, teams using analytics and using all this, this uh, extra stuff to try to keep their guys fresh and in the long term, uh, you know, play well. But when we come down to the point where we have fans who drive the league, who pay for everybody's salaries, including the, you know, the, the upper management and the players and stuff of that nature, and fans are literally paying money to see, I mean, go look at the difference between going to like a Sixers game and going to a Cavs game. And it's because of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. Guys pay to see these guys. So we've got to have them on the floor. I understand when it's been like the back-to-backs or if a guy is a little banged up. But when we're just sitting healthy guys who are under the age of 30, for no good reason and these fans are like dying because they desperately were seeking to see the the top level NBA talent. I mean, it hurts the league a little bit. So they've got to figure out some yeah. sort of even keel and I don't know if they will. Yeah. So it, it, it's sort of like, a, a, I agree. I'm sort of on the fence too, because at one point you, you are playing to win a championship. If you're the Cavaliers, you're not paying to make sure that the people in Memphis get to see LeBron James, but you sort of do have that responsibility but ultimately, I'm just hoping that it's something that goes away as apparently the new CBA with a more a friendlier schedule and things like that, a more spread out schedule. Hopefully, that was like maybe a, a term that the owners had for, you know, okay, we're going to give you a better schedule, but we just can't have you know, LeBron James resting in Memphis. Uh, so, you know, that's my quick thought, and I hope, I hope they do figure that out. Before we close, Andy, who are we Short in the season. Uh, we're watching the T-Wolves. Cat and the crew. Okay, so that is our show for this week. That is the uh, We will join you next week as we continue our journey across the NBA. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nick, Nick Cannon, L like Lincoln Park, P like Penelope Cruz. We will close as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.